this morning we turn in, in Scripture and um, look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look at the first 12 verses of chapter 2. The passage of Scripture here in Peter is talking about the nature of the church. Um, how precious is the nature of the church in Christ. And so then hear the word of God concerning Christ and His church. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race. I, I listen to this description of the church. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And may God then add His blessing to the reading of His Word concerning His church and His glory and His honor as we come to His table to celebrate His salvation and His sacrifice. Um, God has given us um, such a table to show us constantly His love and faithfulness and sacrifice for our sakes in His own body, in the giving of Himself. We are constantly reminded in the table of His goodness to us and His redemption. We find that 
once again as we come to the table, the mark of the table is not just simply uh, some um, exercise that we do socially, but if you notice that the table reflects Christ Himself and His redemptive work on our behalf. Uh, It is not an impersonal approach or an impersonal sacrament, but it is a sacrament that is bound together in the soul of the believer with their Lord and their Lord with them. And therefore, the table is rooted in our personal redemption that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted to reflect a little bit across the board about the table, about the Lord. He is precious. Lest we come to the table and forget His personal love and care for His children. There's verse 7 and verse 8. And it's put this way. And uh, you read in verse 7 and 8 uh, the ESV. And this is what um, verse 7 and 8 says in terms of the um, New American Standard. Verse 7. This precious value that is meaning the Lord and His sacrifice on our behalf. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. There is a difference um, in this table for the believer and the reflection of the world. There is a difference with regard to the meaning of this table as well. One writer indicates that the table itself is not only a comfort for believers, reminding them of Christ's sacrifice and the surety of it, to bring them that consolation, that encouragement that they need in their walk with the Lord, that the things of the Lord are sure and fixed. But it also, the table is a warning to the unrepentant. Every time the believer comes together at this table, we come together and meet with the Lord. And we sup at His table. And when we sup at His table, not only a comfort to be reminded of who you are in Christ. Peter does an exceptional job, doesn't he, of describing who you are as the church in chapter 2. Isn't it quite remarkable how he describes you? A, a, a A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people called unto the Lord to proclaim His excellencies, who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Don't you love that? That's beautiful, a description of the church. I really, really like that. And so when you come together, you're reminded of who you are in the Lord and that it is only in the Lord that you are that by His redemption. But it also reminds the world uh, that unrepentance has its consequences. That as we sup at this table, it is a declaration and testimony to the world that they should repent and turn quickly to the Lord. And how we need that testimony before the world today. And you find that contrast in verses 7 and 8. There is another translation, and I like the translation. It's a little older but I, I like the way it's expressed. Listen to this. 
it says this, Unto you, therefore, which believe, He is precious. <laughs> Don't you like? Unto, unto you who believe, He is precious. But unto those which are disobedient, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. What a contrast. What a contrast in the presence of Christ and the demonstration of Himself before the world. To one, He is precious. More precious than anything that one could imagine. But to the world, uh, He is a stumbling block to the disobedient. He is a rock of offense to the world. Isn't, isn't that dis- descriptive of the responses of an unbelieving world toward the Lord? And even some of us, before we came to know Christ, did, did we not bear testimony to the reality of that difference? Once you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God being rich in mercy has made you alive together with Christ and has seated you with Him in the heavenlies. And so may we who come to the table this morning, may, may we come to see that difference that the celebration of this table uh, is, a, is a table that, that has a, a mixed message in one sense. For the believer, comfort. For the unbeliever, a warning to repent and turn to God. It is, a, it is quite, quite remarkable. I was looking at uh, some of the uh, ways in which uh, God's faithfulness and how precious He is to us as we look at the table, I think that first of all, God's faithfulness here at the table, the Lord going way back even at, at the fall, that even at the fall there, there's a promise of His uh, redemption in Genesis 3.15 and His coming into the world. Um, speaking of Satan, He shall bruise thee on the head, but you shall crush him in the head. The seed of the woman that was promised. Think about God's faithfulness. That which is fulfilled at this table in Christ was promised in God's faithfulness long ago. But can I, can I tell you something even more surprising? That even beyond that in all eternity, God purposed redemption in His Son and it was established even there before the world came into existence. Pretty amazing to think about God's faithfulness as you come to this table today. And listen, the message of Christ and His redemption remains, doesn't it? It remains consistent and pure. And that should bring us comfort today. It should bring us the encouragement that the God who created all things is faithful to His Word. He is true to His Word. And therefore you come today and celebrate at His table in the promises that are faithful in Christ. How much more if He has been faithful all of this time through eternity? How much more will He be faithful to His promises? I go to prepare a place for you. My dear friends, uh, be mindful of this table today and that which the Lord has done for you. Not just in this world, but for all eternity and from all time past, even from the beginning of time, even to now. And I think about the continued promise as you come down through Scripture you know that this table reflects Passover, don't you? It reflects uh, the message of redemption. 
uh, his people who were, who were in bondage in Egypt. And therefore the lamb is slain and the blood is posted on the doorpost. And uh, I like the song. It says, the angel of death unsheaths his sword. Oh boy. And the angel of death comes across Egypt. And the firstborn die. But those who had the blood on the doorpost of the Lamb, uh, they were passed by. They were passed by. And they were spared. Even Passover, as you come to this table, God's faithfulness and His redemption to keep His children is manifested even in the history of Passover in Moses' day and how He delivered. And, and the thing I would just leave there, there's so much there, but just to simply say, look how God delivered His children in that context and provided for them. And, and that provision and that care came from an origin outside of themselves. God was faithful to provide what they needed to the uttermost. How much more the day when our Lord Jesus sits at the right hand of His Father interceding for His saints. How much more, oh, His children, will He not provide for you? Amen? Amen. So let us not approach the table in, in a light way. Let us, let us remember God's faithfulness to His Word and His truth as we come to the table that it has come to pass. And if those things have come to pass over such a long period of time, my dear friends, I hope that with great anticipation you will look forward to the things yet to come in Christ Jesus and you will hold fast to Him. Amen? Amen. May the Lord be with you. We uh, as Christians, I think, are also at this table uh, called to walk worthy of our calling in Christ to remind us who it is that we walk with. Walk Walk worthy of your calling in Christ. And I think that that is a message that comes across as we come to the table each time. To walk, walk with the Lord circumspectly, uh, wisely in evil days. And I would say that uh, that would be an encouragement to you this morning to remind you who you are as His children. Again, First uh, Peter chapter 2, how beautiful the description of who you are. In Christ, and, and I love that. And so if you have been, to whom much has been given, you know that verse, don't you? To whom much is given, much is required. So I encourage you to uh, seek the Lord's face and His grace in your life to walk in a manner that honors the Lord. In your conversation, in the words that you speak, uh, don't, don't let, um, don't let your, uh, manner of speech in the heart of your speech be that of the world. I encourage you to, uh, to separate yourselves out as you have been already in Christ. And may your conversation uh, be filled with uh, His Word. May it be filled with uh, those things that honor Him in songs and spiritual songs and uh, ways in which you uh, give honor to the Lord. I used to listen to my grandmother sing uh, at the sink when she was washing dishes, and I always liked that. And uh, sometimes I would just sit in the living room as a little guy, and I would just listen. I would listen to her sing, and um, I always enjoyed those songs of the faith 
that, that just kind of enrich my heart. So therefore, let your conversation among yourselves and your neighbors and your friends uh, be seasoned as it would, would be with the grace of Christ um, in your life. Don't let uh, the language and the coarseness of this world uh, fill, fill you. Um, walk with the Lord. Speak of Him. Uh, it's amazing. You, you never know as you speak of the Lord in the joy of your heart uh, how the Holy Spirit will move in the heart of someone else as they see your faith and hear your words and see the difference in you that is in Christ. We, um, we should do as the book of Colossians tells us in chapter 2, uh, to set our minds on the things above. The table reminds us uh, as we live in a world uh, that is so coarse and so earthly and so worldly minded and so material uh, that, that we as believers are called at the table to, to have a different affection. We're to have a different um, uh, mode of operation. We're to live differently. We are to act out our faith in Christ and we are to live for the Lord daily uh, with the work of these hands and with the words of these lips. Uh, we are to live for the Lord. You, you are not your own. Remember 1 Corinthians? We're going to be dealing with that passage in 1 Corinthians. Come and join us in Sunday school for 1 Corinthians. But... You, he reminds them about their bodies. Remember in Ephesians when he was dealing with that subject of immorality in the church? He reminds it of the connection of that sin to the spiritual things of God, that they're connected to the Lord. And then they're identifying with the morality of the world. God forbid. He says, don't you know that you have been bought with a price that you are not your own? And so may we be reminded today that that you and I have been bought by the blood of Christ and we are His children and we are not our own. We are compelled by the love of Christ to live for Him by the Holy Spirit. We are, we are brought uh, to Him to live now for Him. You've been saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But you are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Four good works that you should walk in them, which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So may the Lord be with you to know that we have been called um, to a certain life, to be a certain kind of person in this world. And then I think finally as we come to the table, uh, we, we are comforted by the fact of what our Lord Jesus Christ has, has done. And I was reminded by the one author that that which Christ has done at the cross, it, it, at cross is eternal. That, that it is, it is fixed. That, that is the effect, the person and the work of the Lord at Calvary is finished. That as you and I come to this table, we don't come anticipating to be saved and to bear the fruits of the kingdom of God and the benefits of it. But you and I are already recipients of it based upon the finished work of Christ. That our life is already hidden with Christ at the right hand of the Father and our Lord has already ascended into heaven and He's set down at the right hand of His Father and He's interceding for you and me who are here 
He's waiting for us to come home. (laughs) Isn't that a marvelous thing that that which He has done as God is eternal? And it cannot be changed. It is finished. And you as believers, as you come to the table today, you ought to rejoice in that which Christ has done for you is done. Even before you finish your life on this earth, it's done. It's fixed. It's eternal. And you've been sealed. Remember, don't you like the language? You've been sealed. Ephesians 1. You've been sealed in the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed. <laughs> and, and listen, a covenant is not ratified until the recipient dies. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Uh, the covenant is not fully ratified until the recipient dies. And so there waits for you great, uh, great glory. Um, also the work of the Lord in terms of dealing with our lives in the present. Our Lord Jesus Christ, as we come to this table, is a, is a table in which we come to, in which we are called upon to reflect upon our life in Him, and we are to examine ourselves, you know. And as we examine ourselves, uh, we're called to do that as believers before the Lord, not only for the sake of our relationship with the Lord, uh, our examination of our heart and repentance is perhaps constant in our life as, as believers. We have, he is, he is precious to us, not just at a time in which we came to know Christ, but He is precious to us today. He is, He is precious to us in terms of our walk with Him daily, that you and I as believers, this consolation we have, that even when we sin, we have a place to turn as we come to this table to Him once again, and that He is faithful in His compassion and forgiveness to those who truly repent. I say this to you in Scripture, that if if we confess our sin, you know the verse. We say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, don't you love it? He is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we come to this table, let us not say as believers, because I'm a Christian, I have no need to repent or to confess my sins or to examine my life. No, quite the contrary. The Scriptures point us to that very reality that as we come to the table, we examine our hearts. And don't you like that, uh, that current uh, command and encouragement for us to examine our hearts daily? I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person that forgets a lot of things. <laughs> I, and as I get older, Miss Gloria, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I tend, I tend to be forgetful. And listen, look at the table. The table does what? As often as you come to the table, you show forth the Lord's death till He comes. You're reminded every time you come. You're brought, you're brought back. You're brought back. And you see His glory in your life. And you honor Him. And you give Him thanks. And you repent toward Him. And you ask for forgiveness. And you see His face. But also this table is a reminder that as we come into this place uh, that we, we worship Him 
who has saved us by His grace and that He is the head of His church and that we are in relationship with Him and with each other. But also as we go forth from this place, we go forth representing Christ. You are Christ's body. You are His people. You are the ones called by His name. And therefore, as you go out into the world, you go out in Christ, having been fed at His table. And you go and you serve the Lord. And what an encouragement to serve the Lord, even in the face of adversity, to be strong in the Lord. Remember the end of Ephesians? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. But there's another thing about the table, and it's a great it's a great comfort, and it's about the future. It's about death. We live in a world in which we seemed that we're dealing with that more than we would like. But the table is um, is a comfort the, who who trust in the Lord of um, of the nature of leaving this world and being with the Lord. We are given, as it were. Uh, um, a curtain that is pulled back. And that curtain is pulled back for the believer. And we, we haven't attained it yet, as Paul says, and we, ha- we haven't got there completely yet, but we see it through a glass darkly. We, we see that which has been promised in the finished work of Christ concerning our future beyond this world. And we find comfort in that. So every time you come to this table, You profess John 14. I go to prepare a place for you and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come again, I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. That promise is sure and fixed. And that is a great comfort to the believer. Think about all these things that the believer has when they come to the table to honor Christ and His atonement. Does the world, is that promise to the world? No, none none of that is promised to the world how rich this table is of the Lord's. How rich is His love for you. But to those who are being saved, Peter says, He is precious. To those who are being saved, He is precious above all things. May the Lord be with you as you come to His table this day and honor Him and sup with Him. Let's pray together. Lord, prepare us as we come to the Lord's table. May we not do it as just simply a road exercise, but as a reflection of that um, wonderful personal relationship that we have with you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us day by day. Lord, we pray that you would uh, be present with your children. Remind them of many things as they come to this table of yours. Encourage their hearts and be with them in the station in life that you have given them. and Be with them all their days and Lord, safely bring them home and may they have that comfort as they come to this table knowing that your salvation is true and fixed and finished. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus who gave himself for us, we pray. Let's prepare our hearts for the table.